Welcome to Healthcare Beat, a healthcare podcast brought to you by Cypress Shaw's cross-disciplinary healthcare team. Each beat will focus on key industry trends and the latest developments while identifying practical takeaways for those in this space. I'm Adam Lawton, partner in Cypress Corporate Department and host of Healthcare Beat. Let's jump in. On today's episode, we're joined by Adam Young and Bill Shergan, two employees and partners at Cypharth and members of the firm's labor and employment practice. Adam and Bill, welcome to Healthcare Beat. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about something that lots of folks have probably heard about, and these are vaccine mandates, one that came out from OSHA and one that came out from CMS. We'll start with you, Adam. Can you describe what the OSHA ETS vaccine mandate requires and who does it apply to? Yeah, sure. OSHA issued this emergency temporary standard that'll last for six months. It applies to employers with 100 employees or more, but it doesn't apply to work sites that are covered by the other healthcare emergency temporary standard, and it doesn't apply to work sites that are covered by the federal contractor mandate. So it applies if you have 100 more employees, there's vaccination, testing, and face covering requirements, among a few others that, that are in that mandate. And Bill, what about the CMS mandate? What does that require? And the CMS mandate is focused on healthcare providers, and it goes beyond the ETS by requiring that all employees that are in the facility come into contact with patients, a very broad standard with a few exemptions for people who work exclusively at home, but requires them to be vaccinated and that it does not contain a testing exemption. It does allow for exemptions for religious or medical reasons under Title VII in the ADA, but otherwise it is a mandatory vaccination program. Right. So really we've got three different things we're talking about here. We've got the OSHA mandate, which is a vaccine mandate for non-healthcare employers over 100 employees, and it does have you know what I'll call an escape valve for weekly testing masking, other safety precautions. The CMS vaccine mandate, which applies to Medicare certified facilities, so not every Medicare provider exempts things like doctor's offices and clinics, but other Medicare certified facilities, and it does not have that same escape valve. So it's a pretty much vaccinate or get out, for lack of a better term. And then you have the healthcare ETS, which came out over the summer, it is not a vaccine mandate. It applies to healthcare providers, but it does not require vaccination. And so if you are a healthcare provider, you sort of have to you know, thread the needle between those. You can probably forget about the OSHA ETS mandate and then figure out how much of the CMS mandate applies to you. Adam, I know that folks that are following this issue have probably heard about legal challenges or court cases related to the OSHA and CMS mandate. What's the latest update on the status of those suits, and what are your thoughts about sort of the prospects for success? Yeah, sure. Just to add on what you're saying before, the healthcare ETS was published in June and is going to technically expire in December. So it may be that the ETS on vaccination, testing, and face covering does end up applying to healthcare providers as well if that other one's allowed to expire and they don't institute a new healthcare ETS that only applies to healthcare. The healthcare ETS had a couple of minor challenges in court that have already been dismissed. It's not being challenged anymore. The OSHA COVID-19 ETS that applies to the 100 or more employees, that was challenged in, in federal court in almost every region of the United States. And the Fifth Circuit, who ruled on it first, issued a stay saying that these requirements are stayed until it can be further adjudicated in the court. 
because there were all those different court actions that were filed around, around the country, a multi-district litigation panel convened on Tuesday in D.C. and assigned it, said, well, all these cases are going to have to be resolved because it's all the same issue. They're all going to have to be resolved in the Sixth Circuit, which is based in Cincinnati. The Sixth Circuit has a strong majority of Republican appointees, as does the Supreme Court of the United States. There are definitely some arguments that could be made to support a healthcare ETS along the lines of the grave danger existing from COVID-19 and that this statute allows the agency to use its expertise and make a determination that there is this danger in workplaces and how best to address it through vaccination, through testing, and, and through face coverings. But there's definitely arguments the other way as well, that these are very unprecedented uses of powers by OSHA, that the pandemic has been ongoing, and Finally, the concept of vaccination had been considered and rejected as an OSHA requirement many times by both administrations, including for the healthcare ETS that came out in June. So there's a very strong possibility that the courts could choose to bar the effectiveness of the OSHA ETS, either in whole or in part, or delay it. And it's a very difficult thing to quantify. Clients, for the most part, are faced with these December 6 requirements, which are all the doing all the vaccination rosters, figuring out who's vaccinated issuing mass mandates, training employees, all have to be completed in such a short time span. And then having a weekly surveillance testing program ready to go on January 4th. So there's a good chance that this will continue to be the law. Our clients are trying to move forward and comply to the best of their abilities in a pretty tricky landscape, given some of the state laws that are being passed out there and some uncertainty around the existence of the law. And Bill, we've got at least one more wrinkle here, and that's you know, healthcare providers with unionized workforces, what issues are they facing and how, how are they reacting to these mandates? Yeah, Adam, one thing I do want to point out on the CMS mandate is there is a much stronger statutory basis for upholding the CMS mandate because it applies to recipients of federal financial assistance, as you indicated earlier, as opposed to a broad-based standard. But with respect to the union issue, where there is a mandatory government requirement, in this case, that people must be vaccinated. Employers generally don't have an obligation to bargain over that decision with their unions. However, effects of that decision are governed by the collective bargaining agreement. And if the collective bargaining agreement doesn't provide certain rights or specify rights that employers have by contract, then they would have an obligation to bargain over the effects, such as what happens when they can't come to the facility anymore? Are they put on a leave? Are they discharged? How are you going to handle those issues? What about someone who might get a vaccine in the middle of December and didn't meet the first deadline but might meet the other? And finally, you know, where are you going to do the vaccines? A number of hospitals have vaccine clinics for employees through the summer and fall, but they have somewhat stopped those. So, you know, you can go to a Walgreens and get a vaccine, but are you going to pay for that? Are you going to allow them to do it on work time? Those are the kinds of things, the contours of the program that you may see bargained for. But also remember that because a number of hospitals implemented vaccine-related policies months ago, they've already bargained over many of these issues with unions, and there may only have to be a few tweaks in those cases, if any, that need to be made. I know that I have, and I'm sure colleagues have been getting a lot of questions about employees who request a religious exemption or medical condition exemption from vaccine requirements. What sorts of practical advice can you give employers that receive these requests? Yeah, I think that first of all, both the CMS and the ETS refer to several sets of EEOC guidance that have been recently published that address both the issue of religious 
accommodations and medical accommodations. Most employers are approaching that already, dealing with it on a case-by-case basis. The way in which employees approach it, I think, needs to be governed by those technical standards. And, you know, the one challenge we faced, which I think we both know, Adams, is that the number of requests for religious exemptions is much higher than we've ever seen before. And I think that employers are paying more scrutiny to those, especially where they don't appear to have a basis in a closely held or strongly held belief and maybe something that someone printed off the Internet or something like that. I'd like to thank Adam and Bill for joining me today. We certainly appreciate your insight and expertise in this area. Thank you for joining us today for another edition of Cyparth's Healthcare Beat podcast, bringing you the latest developments and pressing issues in healthcare. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit Cyparth.com, where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We look forward to having you with us again soon.